Good morning. Welcome to church. Uh, I'm Laban. I'm the worship leader here at the church. I'm so glad you're joining us um, online and in person. I invite you to stand, stand with us. We're going to sing some songs this morning. This first one is an old song from the early 70s. And it's a, uh, I think it's a great reminder that Jesus has washed our sins away. We can rejoice in that no matter what you've been through this week. No matter if it's been a tough week or maybe it's a good week or somewhere in the middle. Nothing changes in terms of Jesus and what he's done for us and what he is doing for us. So let's sing, Oh Happy Day.
who is moving on the waters, who is holding up the moon, who is peeling back the darkness with the burning light of the moon. Who's standing on the mountains? Who is on the earth below? Who's bigger than the heavens? And the lover of my soul. The creator God, he is Yahweh. The great I am, he is Yahweh. The Lord of all, He is Yahweh. Rose of Sharon, He is Yahweh. The righteous Son, He is Yahweh. The three in one, He is Yahweh. Sing that part again, Creator God. The Creator God, He is Yahweh. The great I am, He is Yahweh. The Lord of all, He is Yahweh. Rose of Sharon, he is Yahweh. The righteous son, he is Yahweh. The three in one, he is Yahweh. Yeah. 
Yahweh. Creator God, He is Yahweh. The great I am, He is Yahweh. The Lord of all, He is Yahweh. The Rose of Sharon, He is Yahweh. The righteous Son, He is Yahweh. The three in one, He is we would rather be. Uh, thank you, Lord. I'm going to say a prayer for us and then you can be seated. Father, thank you that we are in your presence this morning, that you are here with us. We pray for those with heavy hearts this morning, that they would enter in and drink from your well. We pray for those that are full of joy, that it would be maintained in your presence. Lord, thank you for gathering us here today in this place and online, God, that we would taste more and more of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So I get to do the fun part. You can be seated. I think it's the fun part. People kind of make fun of me around here that I'm really excited that we get to talk to each other, talk to your neighbor next to you. So for those of you who don't know me, I am Tanya Torp. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Embrace. And so if you're new here, we just welcome you into this space. Um, but we get to learn a little bit about one another and share in our gratitude and laments. It's something that we started doing uh, during quarantine times when we realized like a lot of people weren't talking about the hard stuff, just, hey, everything's awesome, and everything wasn't awesome. <laughs> and it was okay for us to admit that with one another. So the way that we do this here is you talk to someone that is near you, maybe someone you don't know, and you can start off by just introducing yourself, and you'll share your gratitudes, what are you thankful for, and your laments. And to those of us that are in our online community, we love y'all. I talk to y'all all the time. Um, we would ask that you would do the same, that you would share your gratitude and your laments in the comments. So we'll give you just a moment. Someone will come to you if you're just going to sit there. Someone's coming. So <laughs> I promise you, share your gratitude and laments. All right, I'll give you all just a few more moments, just a few more moments. All right, couple seconds to finish up your conversation and I'll welcome us back.
All right, I'm going to share some of the things that our online community is saying this morning, some of the things our online community is grateful for. See, this is the thing. Y'all don't ever want to talk, but then when you start talking, you want to talk. I love it. I love it. <laughs> See, this is why I love that. I know that it gives some people social anxiety, but like, then there's the laughter and all the stuff starts happening. It's amazing. Uh, so just to read some of the things from our online folks that are with us today, um, I do want to share, even though he's in the room, Beckett is very grateful to be back after being sick. So I love it when our kids say what they're thankful for. So Beckett, we're glad you're back too. Um, Steve Nisley says, grateful to be with you today during my renewal leave. So Steve is making his way, I guess, driving somewhere and, and listening to us as that's happening. So we're glad you're with us. Sue Crone says, grateful for a truly loving, accepting, accepting and open church family, lamenting continued sense of loss as we remember 9-11 and how it changed our world. Um, we are, I am grateful that Amanda and Ryan are on from Honduras. They are with us. And there are also some people in the room today that are usually with us online that I want to shout out, uh, Pastor Gallagher and Connie Gallagher. I say First Lady because the black church says First Lady, so First Lady Connie, glad you're here. <laughs> We're glad you're with us. Those are John's parents. Um, Jessica Young says, grateful for my family and their health. I'm lamenting doubts that I, at times, I have a hard time navigating. And then Jamie Shire is with us and says, good morning, church family. Grateful to be able to participate online from Michigan. So for those of you who don't know, we have people all over the world that are with us online and part of our online community as well. And some of those who can't quite make it here, but they are with us in spirit. So we love our online folks. Uh, I just want to share some announcements with you. And don't worry, kids. I know you're here. I know the parents are excited. We're going to get there. Just a minute. Um, so there are connect cards. If you are new with us, welcome again. There are connect cards in the pews. We would love to connect with you. Love to little, know a little bit about you. We'd love to connect with you in any way that we can. So please fill out those connect cards. Also, there's space on those connect cards for prayer. So we have an Embrace prayer team that is diligent in their prayers over you. Uh, if you, um, you want to fill it out on the connect card, or you can just email it to us, and I get those, um, and we'll send them out. Um, prayer at embraceyourcity.com. Com. Prayer at EmbraceYourCity.com is the email address if you would like to send your prayer request. So myself and Rachel take care of that. Um, and then they are confidential, by the way. So we're not you know, sharing it with everybody. Those are con confidential prayer requests. There are also giving boxes if you would like to continue your worship and give to our church. There's a giving box there and one at the back, and we would love for you to participate in that. You can also give online uh, at our website as well. There is an announcement, and I'm going to read some of our announcements in just a moment, but if you didn't grab one of these announcement handouts, they're at the back and at the front when you first came in. And so one of the most exciting things is today we get to meet new folks who've been coming for a while and want to be engaged in Embrace and know a little bit more about Embrace. So we are having an Embrace orientation luncheon today where you will get to meet leaders from the church and other new people just like you or people who've been here for a while and wanting to get plugged in and involved. We made enough food for everyone. So if you did not sign up, it's okay for you to come. So uh, directly after church, downstairs, we will be having a luncheon, and you can join us to find out more about Embrace and ways to get plugged in. We also love to disciple around here. We love to learn more about our word together, and so we have a class. Our next class is starting. Um, uh, it's a three-part part of a three-part series, but we are studying the Bible together. So Sundays at nine for five weeks, and it starts on nine eighteen. Um, we're asking you to join us if you are able to learn to study the Bible together. And then, last but not least, uh, oh. Also sign up if you would like to sign up for that. There is a sign up in the back for, to join the Bible study. And then last but not least, kids, we're ready, right? Are we ready, kids? Yeah, kids and parents are ready. So um, we have a ministry for our kids called the Wonder Room. If your kid is age four years old and up to fifth grade, uh, they can go to the Wonder Room for their own time of learning and worship. Um, if you are new and you would like to check it out, you can go up with your child and check out what it is that we're doing and participate in that. So kids are dismissed. Let's give them a hand as the kids are dismissed. Thank you. All right, they're going to have some fun up there with all these wonderful children.
Let's pray for our Wonder Room uh, leaders this morning as they're going to have their hands full. It'll be exciting. Well, it is uh, really good to be here this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to share a little word with you all this morning. My name is John, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I just want to say welcome to each and every one of you. Um, sometimes at our church, we, we have folks uh, share testimonies about things that God is doing in their lives or, or experiences they've had in their lives where God showed up for them in a real and powerful way. And so this morning, uh, we're going to have a testimony before um, I share my sermon, and it's by uh, my good friend John Epley. And so let's invite John. Let's give him a hand as he comes to the front. John's uh, wife, Rachel, works with me here at the church, and John is a teacher, and he is involved in a few things here at Embrace. I'm sure you've seen his face around here plenty of times, um, but he's going to share uh, just a, a powerful testimony of a way God showed up for him, um, particularly related to uh, September 11th, and so I'm going to turn it over to John. Thank you. I promised Pastor John I wouldn't go longer than an hour, <clears throat> so... And I, actually, everything I'm going to say is written down so that I won't chase too many rabbits. All right. Uh, first of all, I want to offer a trigger warning. So I'm going to tell you my story of my experience of going to New York City right after the attack on the World Trade Center. Um, if this event triggers great pain or emotions within you, um, you're more than welcome to step out. You're more than welcome to tune me out. Um, but before you do, hear this. And that is, this story is much less about the evil works of man and much more about the awesome works of a mighty God. Um, this morning, 21 years ago, I woke up to the sound of my roommate screaming at me, yelling that I had to turn on the TV and see what was going on. And um, you're going to see me holding a book, and I'm going to read my story um, out of a book because a friend of mine uh, many years ago interviewed, interviewed me about my experiences there to put in a book that he was writing at the time, and the book is all about the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm reading this just so that I won't ramble and that I won't forget parts either. It was the morning of September 11. Oh, by the way, this is called Heaven's Muscle by Brennan Hughes. It was the morning of September 11, 2001 the day of the terrorist attack. Like many Americans that day, my friend John was watching his television in horror. But the thing about John that's different from me was that as a college student, he was already hearing the voice of God. As he watched New York burn, John felt he was getting transmissions from heaven, something in his gut that told him he needed to go to New York. Then John got a call from one of his friends. Are you feeling what I'm feeling? The friend asked. He was getting the signal too. Two other friends also called. All four men had a burning sensation in their hearts telling them to head to New York immediately. So they packed up John's car, it was a Jeep, and took off from Nashville. The thing about 9-11 was that everybody was expecting another attack. The National Guard swooped in and shut down New York City. The guard and the police blocked the bridges and tunnels. New York City was on lockdown. Every airplane in the country was grounded. John and his friends knew that God wanted them to go towards ground zero, but getting there looked impossible. They went anyway. John had a friend who was in the ministry staff at a church in Manhattan. John phoned this friend as he drove and told him that he and his three buddies were coming to New York to help. The minister friend appreciated the gesture, but doubted that they'd be allowed anywhere near Manhattan. At last, the guys arrived at the bridge that would carry them from New Jersey to Manhattan. Their hearts sank as they saw that the bridge was blocked by police cars and National Guard vehicles. There were even two tanks posted at the bridge entrance, their guns pointed right onto oncoming traffic. The uniformed men with guns sent a clear message, you shall not pass. John drove his vehicle to the barricade and stopped. He wondered whether this was the end of the line. But then, a National Guardsman motioned with his hand, and officers removed the barricades. Even one of the tanks moved aside so John's car could pass. Without a word, the Guardsman waved John and his friends onto the bridge. 
The young men screamed in disbelief as they drove across the deserted bridge, and I mean screamed, like screamed, onto Manhattan Island. What in the world had just happened? John phoned his minister friend again. The guys from Nashville would see him shortly. When they arrived at the church building, John and his friends loaded John's car with supplies for, the ground, for ground zero. The minister instructed to take the supplies to a particular dock, a loading dock, where they could load the supplies on a boat where they were, they were stockpiling supplies to give to all the families and things like that. But when John and his friends arrived at the dock, a worker told them that boat was full. They just missed it. So he suggested they try the next dock. At the next dock down, it was the same story. They went to a third, and again, they were told the boat was full. We ran out of docks. There was nothing left to do but keep driving straight toward the World Trade Center, right into Ground Zero itself. On the way, a police car started following John. Its lights were flashing. Was this the end of the road? John kept driving slowly, but the officer never motioned for them to pull over. Soon, two other police cars flanked John's car. He was being given a police escort. This was a good thing because there were snipers all over the city who probably had their rifle scopes turned on, trained on John's car. Finally, John's crew arrived at ground zero. The police cars pulled away. In his rearview mirror, John could see them going back in the direction that they came. The scene at ground zero was eerie and disquieting. The air was heavy with dust and smoke. Firemen trudged around coated in white powder like shell-shocked ghosts. There was a tent where aid workers were handing emergency supplies for the people at Ground Zero where, <clears throat> who were mostly first responders and families of the victims. But there was nowhere for John to park. Suddenly, an ambulance fired up its sirens and pulled away. A survivor had been found somewhere, and a parking spot was suddenly open for John's vehicle. He pulled up right against the fence surrounding the disaster zone. John and his friends unloaded their supplies and spent a few hours among the firemen who came by the tent. They listened to the firemen's stories and prayed with them. Many of the firemen had lost friends in the building collapse. Many of them felt survivor's guilt for, not esca for escaping alive. John and his friends gave them their simple sympathy and words of hope. Then a group of Franciscan monks walked by. Y'all, they were so cool. If you never hung out with Franciscan monks, you should do it sometime. Um, they asked the Nashville lads whether they'd like to join them. The group traveled by foot to a location where bodies were being housed. It was a store. The merchandise was gone from the shelves, and in its place were bodies and body parts. This was where the rescue workers brought the families of victims to see if they could identify bodies. It was a place of death and trauma. Again, John and his friends were able to love and minister to people. They prayed with those who grieved. It was exhausting, but rewarding. At the end of the day, the young men returned to the tent. Waiting for them at the tent was a reporter from a prominent Manhattan radio station. She asked John for a live interview. John was able to tell New York City about how God had sent him on a mission from Nashville, about how God made it possible for them to penetrate the city despite the lockdown, and about how the Lord had brought them straight to the heart of grief and to the holy moment of awe and terror that greeted the first responders and bereaved families at the site of the attack. Not only was John and his friends able to minister, he was then able to bear witness to the Lord's work to an audience that potentially numbered in the millions. Did you see it? It was God getting the right people at the right place at the right time to remind us that God has not abandon us. He will never leave us or forsake us. Did you hear it? It was the sound of the Spirit of God rushing in like a mighty river into the valley of chaos and death, offering the peace and healing that only the Spirit can give. Did you feel it? It's God right here right now, reminding you that nothing is too big for him. Nothing surprises God. He's always here to make a way 
when there seems to be no way. Receive his presence. Receive his power. Receive his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, John, for sharing that powerful testimony with us. If y'all bow your heads with me just for a moment. Perhaps you just want to take a few deep breaths. Be reminded that God's spirit lives within you. And is giving you life. Sustaining you. And empowering you for the work that he has called you. Lord, we invite your presence to continue to be among us this morning, to, to rest on our heads, to fill our bodies, to consume our minds, to envelop this space. We pray, Lord, that we would feel your comforting presence this morning. As all of us are facing challenges and many of us are going through hard, difficult times, we ask, Lord, that you would be present to us today, that we would feel your power and your presence, that, Lord, we would be changed this morning, maybe just a little, maybe a lot, but I pray, Lord, we would become more like you, more connected to you, more connected to ourselves and to one another as we spend these next few moments together. God, we thank you for the big ways that you often show up. Uh, as John's testimony reminds us of, we thank you for those ways that, that kind of just jolt us and alert us to the fact that you're not a far-off God, but you are close and you are near and you are working. And God, we also thank you for the more subtle and small ways that you show up to us each and every moment of our lives. And we pray, Lord, that we would know, Lord, that you're with us on the mountaintop, but you're also with us in the deep, dark valleys even the caves that you're with us on, just the, the flat kind of day-to-day life as well. And, and God, we just love you so much, and we thank you for loving us. I pray, Lord, that the words I share would, would be ultimately from you and that uh, we all could just grow a bit closer to you today. Um, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So my sermon for this week is actually a text, it's the lectionary text from just a few weeks ago, um, but uh, I really wanted to be able to preach on it, but I, I was not able to be in church that Sunday, and so we're doing it today. Um, so the title for this week is actually borrowed uh, from someone else, um, a scholar and preacher whose name is Dr. Raquel Letsom. And my title for today is this, Not Today, Not Today. So, if you're like me, I imagine that you have likely said, not today, many times uh, throughout your life. I will tell you, and my wife can tell you this as well, that I'm pretty good at procrastinating. Uh, I'm good at putting things off. Uh, countless times, uh, Laura will come to me and bring something to my attention that needs to be done or something she just wants done, and my response is often, yeah, I'll do it, but just not today. Not today. I'll get to it tomorrow. Back in high school and in college in particular, I, I can't remember how many times I would put off writing a paper or studying for an exam or doing an assignment until the last possible moment. And then that pressure, you know, I would just like buckle down and try to get it done as quick as I can and get it done right before it was due. And in my mind, I thought, you know, why do it today if it can wait until tomorrow, right? Have y'all ever asked that question before? Well, a simple answer, I think, to that rhetorical question is that, you know, tomorrow can often turn into the day after tomorrow. The day after tomorrow can often turn into next week. 
Next week can often turn into next month. Next month can often turn into next year. I think you get my point that not today often results in never. Now saying not today about straightening up my office at home is annoying for sure, but there are really much more important things that we say not today about. As I was thinking about this message, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. comes to my mind, and particularly his letter that he wrote from the Birmingham jail. And he wrote this letter specifically to white Christian leaders um, as he was locked up there. And one of the central themes of his letter concerns not today. He wrote these words. He said, for years now I have heard the word wait. He says it rings in the ear of every Negro with a piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. And he goes on to say that black Americans have waited for more than 340 years for their God-given and constitutional rights. After George Floyd's murder a couple of years ago, protests erupted all across the world. And a common refrain at the protest was, we want justice and we want it now. Because not today almost always means never, and many have grown tired and intolerant of not today. With this in mind, I'm going to read our text for today. It comes from Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. All right, so right there, we hear the setting. He's in a synagogue, and it is on the Sabbath. So on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, He called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. So Jesus begins, uh, the story begins with Jesus teaching in one of the synagogues, which is a Jewish place of worship, on the Sabbath. Now, do you remember the first time that Jesus taught in a synagogue in the Gospel of Luke? All the way back in Luke chapter 4. This is a really important chapter in Luke, in Luke the Gospel of Luke. So all the way back in 4, He picked up that scroll, do you remember? And he opened it, and he read from the prophet Isaiah, and he read kind of his mission statement about uh, setting the captives free and, and pronouncing the good news for the poor. And after he did that, do you remember what happened? People tried to bound him and throw him off a cliff and kill him. So he's now back in the synagogue teaching, And so, according to Luke's gospel, Luke's alerting us. He wants us to think back to the other times he's been in synagogues. And we should be ready for some conflict and some drama. As uh, Dr. Letsom put it, they let the wrong preacher in the pulpit that day. In the synagogue that day was a woman. And a woman who was suffering from some kind of disability that caused her to not to be able to sit up straight. The text tells us that she was bent over, and she had had this issue for 18 long years. And in verses 12 and 13, we read that Jesus saw her, that Jesus spoke to her, that Jesus touched her, 
and that Jesus set her free. It was just a normal day in the synagogue. Jesus was teaching in the synagogue to a group of people. And this woman happened to be there as well. She didn't ask anything of Jesus. She was just there. There's a good chance this woman had come to the synagogue every Sabbath for the last 18 years. Jesus could have just preached His sermon. He could have moved on to the next thing He had going for that day, and no one would have thought a thing of it. But instead, Jesus paid enough attention to the people who were there that day. And He paid enough attention to them to notice this particular woman. He saw her suffering. He spoke up. This is fascinating. He spoke up in the middle of His teaching. He went off course. He interrupted his train of thought to speak directly to this woman who he saw was in need. And then he completely paused his message to go to her, to touch her, and to set her free from what ailed her. And I wonder, why did Jesus need to speak up and say something when everyone else there seemed just fine with the way things were? Why did Jesus need to heal this woman when she didn't even ask to be healed? Perhaps Jesus was so in touch with God's heart, with God's desire for healing and freedom, that He had that fire burning within Him so powerfully that He had to speak up. He had to act. He had to do something. Dr. Letzum says these words, At some point, we have to quit proclaiming and praying from a distance. At some point, we need to quit sending our thoughts and prayers where we need to send our bodies and our dollars and our resources. Jesus set this woman free from a disability that had caused her so much suffering for her for 18 long years. And you would think this is a reason. This is a reason to celebrate, to rejoice, to give praise to God. And the woman did just that. She gave praise to God immediately after she was healed. However, others in the synagogue that day were not happy. They were not joyful. They were not wanting to celebrate. The synagogue leader who who gave Jesus the platform that day to teach That person, that man was indignant. He was furious. He was enraged by the fact that a woman was healed on the wrong day of the week. (laughs) According to this synagogue leader's interpretation of the Sabbath laws, you were not allowed to heal on the Sabbath. Healing on Sunday through Friday was just fine. But not on Saturday. Not on the Sabbath. Not today. And I imagine Jesus just thinking in his mind, not today? Are you serious? He then made a very compelling argument. He said, you all even care for your animals on the Sabbath, don't you? You lead them to the place to get them water so they can survive, don't you? And if you care for your animals on the Sabbath, then you can certainly care for this woman and rejoice in the fact that she has now experienced new life and freedom from something that was binding her. And he called her a daughter of Abraham, likely in an effort to kind of shame the awful treatment of this precious child of God. As Dr. Letzum said, we are no longer caring for animals more than we do humans. Caring only for those that we can monetize and make a profit. We're no longer allowing people to be in bondage or delay their freedom because the timing of their freedom isn't convenient to us. In this challenging story, Jesus asserts that not today is not an option. Today is the day to act on someone's behalf. Today is the day to seek after God. You know, yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not promised. All we have is today. And the people there, they eventually celebrated Because I I imagine they were just excited because there was no more waiting. They saw with their eyes that salvation had come to them today. You know, the, the church, the Christian church has been saying not today for far too long. And it's left the church irrelevant and out of touch. 
Too often the church has failed to show up during critical moments throughout our history. Sixty years ago, uh, Dr. King said words that are just as true today as they were then. He said that the contemporary church is so often a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. Y'all agree with me that the contemporary church often has got a weak, just ineffectual voice and it doesn't have a certain sound and it's not showing up in the moments when it needs to show up. When the Spirit is moving us to change, to adapt, to show up for others, to repent, all too often we have said, not today, maybe later, now is just not the right time. You know, Jesus brought heaven with Him when He came to earth 2,000 years ago. He declared that the kingdom of God was at hand. It was here. And He stressed the urgency of the moment. In Luke, it's, there's this intense urgency with Jesus. He stressed the urgency of the moment and called people to repent, to turn to God, and believe, begin living as citizens of God's kingdom right now. And, and, and the Gospel of Luke is just so challenging to me. And particularly if you remember when Jesus set His face to go towards Jerusalem in chapter 9, it really, this urgency just picks up for the rest of the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus is like, no, don't worry about the past. The future is not guaranteed. Now is the time to repent. Now is the time to act. And now is the time to follow in the way that I'm leading you. I'll share one more quote from Dr. King. And, and this is one that I've reflected on many times throughout the years. But he said, the time is always ripe to do right. The time is always ripe to do right. And I just want to give you all a chance this morning to reflect just for a moment. And I've got these questions for you to, to think about as we close. And, and maybe I can go ahead and invite Laban and, and potentially... Uh, some other members to come up, or camera, you can play something for us just to help us focus. But I want us just to take a moment to think about these questions. How have you postponed righteousness? How have you postponed justice or compassion? Perhaps you can ask, what is the next right thing God is calling you to do today? And ultimately, the question is, what can no longer wait? What can no longer wait? God may be stirring in your heart this morning. Uh, God may have been stirring in your heart for quite some time now, and you keep just delaying it. And you're like, all right, God, I feel your spirit moving in me. I feel you calling me. I love that, that John's story that he shared. It was like he felt called to do something fairly radical in that moment. His friends did too, and, and they, they discerned it in their spirits that this was right, and so they stepped up and did it. And often God is calling us to do sometimes big things like that, dangerous things like that even. But often it's just the day-to-day -day stuff too. But what is God stirring in your heart? If the Spirit's moving in you or you're, you're, you just feel it, often we know what we need to do. It's just doing it is kind of the hard thing, right? And, and maybe God is moving in your heart this morning and challenging you. Maybe it's reaching out to uh, someone and, and trying to repair a relationship that's been damaged. Maybe it's getting involved in something that, that God has been pushing you. I want you to stand up. I want you to get involved with these people who are working for change and for justice. Maybe now's the time to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make that call, or I'm going to send that email, or I'm going to show up to that meeting. Maybe you've been dealing with something that's just binding you, and you kind of know a step that you need to take to move into the presence of God or, or help to get around people who can help you. Maybe you just need to do that this morning. But what is that next right thing that God is calling you to do today? What can no longer wait? And I want to promise you that, that as you take those steps towards God in the direction God's calling you to go, that, that God is making up the difference, that there's so much grace. You know, I often think of it like we make little baby steps towards God, yet God is making big, huge leaps towards us, you know, making up that difference for us. Because um, in our own power, we can't do a lot. But I do believe that God is... We've got to take that next right step, though. It's a partnership. You know, God doesn't do everything for us. I believe our relationship with God is a partnership where one side of the partnership is definitely pulling the weight. <laughs> but God is inviting us to step and, and join Him in that work uh, to see us become fully the people God has called us to be. 
So just take a moment, um, and then uh, in just a couple of moments, I'll call us back together, and we'll share communion. We're going to share communion together. We do this, do this every week at Embrace, and it's just a powerful moment for us to connect with Jesus and stay connected to, to Him in a powerful way. And so uh, if you don't have a communion cup, there's some by the door just right there in our front entrance to our church. You can go back and grab one. Uh, no worries about standing up and doing that. You're welcome to go get one now. Let me say a prayer for us. God, thank you so much for uh, this time together. We thank you, Lord, that you entered our world. Lord, we know we worship an awe-inspiring, holy, and transcendent God. But we also worship a God who is at the same time very near to us. Very relatable. It's because, Lord, you, you came and you made up that distance and you traveled the great links to come and be with us. That you put on skin and bones and flesh and you took on the limitations of living in this world that, that is tainted and far from perfect and you endured suffering and pain. You experienced the joy of sharing meals and laughter and friendship, but you also experienced so much struggle and heartache and loss. Lord, you know what it's like to lose loved ones. You know what it's like to feel just isolated and alone. You know what it's like to, to feel anxiety and stress in your body. You know what it's like to be rejected and vilified and demonized. And Lord, that, that brings me comfort to know that. To know that you have been there before and you know what it's like. And this morning, Lord, as we share communion, I'm thinking about that. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we have failed. Forgive us for the ways that we have said not today over and over and over again. Forgive us for the ways we have delayed doing the right thing or acting on someone's behalf or standing up for justice. Forgive us for the ways that we have failed to, to work on ourselves when we know we should. And help us, Lord, to, to say no more. Not, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to Stand up and, and take that next right step today. Give us the courage to do so. And empower us through your presence this morning as we share communion. I pray you'd pour out your Holy Spirit upon this bread and juice. That it would be for us the body and blood of Christ. That you would fill us up this morning in a fresh way. And that we would leave here different. That we would leave here looking more like Jesus. 
Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for walking with us. And thank you for empowering us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you want to go ahead and take the wafer, or if you're at home, whatever food or drink you've set aside for this purpose, you can take your food now and eat it. Take and eat. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Take the cup or whatever drink you have set aside at home. I encourage you to take and drink. This is the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. We're going to spend just a few moments singing a song together as we close. I invite you to stand as we do so. If you'd like prayer, I'd love to pray with you. I know Tanya and there may be some others in the back that'd be happy to pray with you as well. If God is stirring in your heart and there's something you feel like you need to do, that next right thing, the thing that can no longer wait and you want to tell someone, I would love to hear. Um, I would love to talk with you about that because sometimes just telling someone can be that little piece that you need to kind of move you forward. I'll just be sitting over here. Come find me. I'd be happy to talk with you. But let's, uh, let's worship God together. I could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence, and I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. I could hold on, I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. And I could be safe, oh, I could be safe here in your arms and never leave home, never let these walls down, but you
Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all so much for being here today. A couple of things before you leave. Um, if you're attending our Embrace Orientation Lunch, um, for those who are new or feel new here at the church and would like to learn more about what we're doing here, um, it's going to be in the fellowship hall pretty soon after we're done here. So just kind of go out the doors, down the stairs, big room down there. You'll see it. Um, just ask somebody and they can point you in the right direction. Um, if you didn't sign up and you still want to come, come on down. Also, if you'd like to attend the Bible study, you don't have to sign up, but if you'd like to sign up, that'd be good so that we can have everybody's email and we can communicate about any important details. There are sign-up sheets on our welcome tables. And then finally, if you need anything or ever need to meet with a pastor, um, we are open to you all. Um, If God is stirring in your heart in some way or you're going through a hard time, please reach out um, and set up a meeting. We'd love to, to talk with you and support you in whatever way we can. Because uh, life is hard and we, uh, we need each other. Um, so if y'all prepare your hearts for the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.